live from the University of Nebraska at Kearney. It's the weekly allowance where real-world knowledge is discussed. Your future is what matters, and the broke college student is no longer the status quo. Young or old, don't put your future on hold. We welcome you to the show. I'm your host, Luke Grosnaklaus, joined by co-host Austin Partridge. Austin, how's it going today? It's going really good today. You know, it's a little snowy outside, but that's okay. Um, and I guess to go along with that, a lot of you may be noticing, you know, some some type of volatility in our markets right now. They are down. Um, S&P 500, Dow Jones are all down. And so there is some worry out there. But if you do follow the steps that we teach on the show, um, if, if, if you are out of debt and really investing for the long term, then you really have nothing to worry about because, you know, nothing in your investment strategy is going to change. And so, yeah, there is some worry out there. Um, but we advise you to just keep calm, weather out the storm. Um, and when people say, you know, the Dow has dropped a record low, um, that's simply because it's it, it's had record highs lately. It's the highest it's ever been. Um, and so we would kind of expect that. And so the real number you really need to worry about is just the percentage drop in S&P 500, um, which is only around 4%. So it's not it's not too bad. Um, so just kind of weather out the storm and don't get too worried out <laughs> there. Um, other than that, how are you doing today, Luke? Pretty good. Yeah, you know, the, not really appreciating as much snow as we're getting now, but yeah. uh, kind of sick of the cold weather. But, you know, it's still kind of the beginning of February, so I can't really complain too much. But definitely ready for spring to come around. Uh, other than that, student teaching still going pretty well. Got some parent-teacher conferences coming up this week. So Ooh, big, big time, big yeah. time there. <laughs> Meeting some of the parents. But mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a shorter week, too. We got Friday off. So I uh, just got four days of school this week, which is nice. But uh, mm. everything's going good. Can't complain. Like I said, markets are down a little bit. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't get too worried, I think person that has most control over you is not quite the markets, but you yourself. So mm -hmm. that's for the listeners out there that are worried, just control your habits and see what you can do best. And then uh, hopefully the markets will follow. So mm -hmm. good stuff. But uh, for today's show, we're going to be talking about saving while you're a college student and saving um, at a time where it may not be the most interesting thing to do. It may not be the most easiest thing to do. So we're going to be talking about why you need to save at college, how how we think you can save while you're in college, um, and how it's going to benefit you for, for your future when you start to save at college. So those are some of the topics that we're going to touch on today. We wanted to start off the first 15 minutes of the show by just simply talking about should college be a time to save money? Because we know that college is a time for a lot of things. It's, it's kind of a new beginning for um, people if you're a freshman, kind of a sophomore, and then unless you're a junior and a senior, you're really focused on that next step of your life of um, getting a job and obviously getting getting good grades and, and acing those exams and all the homework that you have. Those are all things that are a focus at college. Obviously, having a good social life, um, being a part of different student organizations, those are all really big parts of, of the college lifestyle. But we think because college is preparing you for that next step in your life that there should also be a saving factor while you're at college as well. So that's uh, something that we think. We think that college should be a time for saving. We know it's not going to be a big time for investing and kind of building up um, your net worth and stuff, but we do think you should put some money aside um, so you don't have, so you aren't lost uh, once you get outside of the classroom and onto your first job and stuff like that. Right. I think it's tough to save in college because college forces us to spend a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. We're paying for rent, food, tuition, room and board if we live on campus. And so, you know, kind of talking through, you know, should we, we be saving on top of all of these expenses and, and how exactly to go about doing that I think is really important, um, especially in today's um, society. And I, I think saving, and money, uh, saving money while in college is, is a really difficult thing to do. And your number one goal, I think, should be to cover your tuition payments and, and really living expenses at the very least um, while you're in college. And then you can move into worry, uh, worrying about, um, you know, how much do you want to save in college and how you're going to do that. So I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion today. Yeah, and I think college can be such a, a time to, to where you want to live in the present and you really don't quite want to look into the future because college is supposed to be the best four years of your life. And I mean, I would argue that it's been the best four years of my life thus far. And I've really enjoyed my experiences. But um, so you do want to enjoy the four years of college while you have it. You want to make the most out of those four years. And you don't want to live your whole college life looking towards the future and not really living in the present during your college life. But there is a time, uh, maybe later, junior, senior year, where you do need to focus in a little bit um, on the rest of your life and how that's going to look. I know that's been a big thing for me as a senior and for the both of us graduating in, in a couple months that 
we uh, we're looking at the future and we're looking at jobs and we're looking at how we're gonna um, afford rent and housing and um, start investing in our futures and stuff like that. So once you do get to that older upperclassman age in college, that's when I think savings should really kick in. Uh, like you said, I think you need to take care of the tuition and the books and your cost of living and all those things should come first. Um, really try not to go into too much debt or any debt at all if you don't have to, because once you're out of college and you start actually making that income, that's where your savings is going to start um, to really kick into gear. And it's going to start a lot if you can limit the amount of debt and the amount of uh, cost that you um, have during college. Yeah, it becomes real when you can mm -hmm. see the light at the end of the tunnel and you're just about done with college and then you get thrown out into the real world with your career and everything and, and you really start to look at saving and, and, and your financial you know, structure. So, you know, Dave Ramsey always points out that your college education is probably, arguably, the most important investment that you can make um, because you're really investing in yourself. And so, you know, you're investing for a higher future income. You're, you're investing for um, something really positive. So you need to make sure that you have that investment covered, you know, before you go in and, and, and save and invest in anything else like retirement or anything like that. And so what Luke and I are going to talk about today is really making sure that you, you have, um, hopefully have the ability to cash flow your college, um, you know, your, your tuition and your living expenses, um, but also... Um, you're kind of holding off those those retirement accounts or those investment accounts until you're out of college and you've you you know you've had that um, education covered behind you. And so what we really recommend and what Dave Ramsey recommends is keeping your college. Yes, you should be saving, um, but make sure that that money is going into a liquid account. And and what do we mean when we say liquid account? Um, it really should be easily accessible in case you need to access it quickly. If you need to buy a book, if you need to cover um, a class here or there. Because um, the, the thing that we don't want you to do is put all your money into an investment account. <laughs> it goes down, and then you are um, financially struggling to cover your tuition payments or your college education in general. And so that's what we're kind of trying to walk you through here is to, you know, how, how do I save money while in college and, and kind of hold off on maybe – earning some of those returns that I know we, we would want to to earn. I know me as a finance ma major, a person who's really attracted to the stock market, um, it's really hard to me, for me to follow this rule because, you know, I really want my money to earn money. Um, that's, that's really um, a nice way to earn um, compound interest. But um, the, the thing that we want to make sure that we have in college is safety, that safety net. And we want to make sure that we can get through college and still have that safety net and be able to cash flow it. So some of the things that we're going to talk about today kind of um, align with that with that goal. Yeah, that's good. I like what you said about making sure the money is liquid. And that's something I struggle with a lot too. If you have a little bit of savings and, and you want to earn some interest on it, obviously when your money is just in a basic savings account or even a checking account, it's not going to earn that interest that you want. It's not going to grow the way that you want to. And so kind of through my undergraduate years and even through high school and saving up some money, I've always wanted to like do some kind of investment to make me a little bit more money. But I know that I don't really know what the future holds. I, uh, there could be time where um, I need to buy a house and I need some money available for that or I need to buy a new car and I need some money. So I don't want to put too much money into a investment account uh, for retirement or really just any kind of investment account because I don't want to have to pull out money from that um, before I retire, obviously. So I wouldn't want to throw something into a 401k and then have to pull it out early because then I would get hit a bunch on it. So that's a that's a really good point of making sure your money's liquid until you actually know that, okay, I'm pretty set for now and I can throw this much money into an account and, and invest it uh, because I'm not going to need to touch that amount of money mm -hmm. until I'm um, of the age of retirement. So that's a good point. I... Uh, one thing I think when it comes to college savings, the, probably the biggest excuse we hear is that college is just too expensive of a time to save. There's just too much going on. Um, that's something that comes later in life. But I would argue with that that there's going to be an excuse for every part of your life that it's going to be too expensive. When mm -hmm. you get out of college, yeah. you're kind of on your own. You're paying for um, your housing, uh, car insurance, health insurance, whatever it may be. There's just more expenses to get added to the picture. If you start a family, you start having some um, children things get expensive there. Eventually, you're going to have to buy a house. Uh, that's going to be an expensive time. So I know I understand college is expensive. I think the thing that probably a good argument for the college part is that you don't really have an income. And after college, you do. 
But if you can just get kind of a steady, kind of small part-time job income um, or work as many hours as you can to gain some income to save some money, uh, that's a good thing to do. But just know that life is always going to be expensive. There's always going to be an excuse to why you can't save money and why you can't save for retirement or your kid's college or whatever it may be. There's always going to be an excuse for that, um, but it's just kind of working past those excuses and, and working through those. That's a great point. I think one thing to add is everyone's always going to encourage you to start saving as soon as you can um, because of the power of compound interest. Mm -hmm. But we want you to know that you're not going to be behind if you don't you know, start throwing that money into a retirement account while you're in college. You're not going to be behind because mm -hmm. what you're going to do is you're going to graduate college debt-free, you're going to cash flow it, and you're going to have a nice healthy savings um, account when you do graduate college. And then once you get out into the real world, you're going to have a nice education behind you, and then you're going to be you're going to be in a much better position to go out and really um, start investing, um, start building that retirement account and things like that. So you're not going to be behind at all. You're actually going to be way ahead of, of a lot of people in in um, a financial sense. So um, just some things to keep in mind as we as we go throughout the show. Yeah, because we know the the two biggest things to saving money, I guess, would be budgeting and then kind of living below your means a little bit. So when it comes to budgeting and it comes to um, debt, limiting the amount of debt that you, that you accrue during college is a big thing because the biggest thing that's going to affect your savings in the future is your money going other places um, instead of your savings account. So if you have payments on student loans and payments on a car and payments on a credit card and payments on a house in the future, sending all that money away constantly every month is really going to affect your savings plan. So the first step of being able to save after college um, and even during college is limiting the amount of debt that you go into. Mm -hmm. So if you can just limit that debt, really be smart about um, credit cards and student loans and cars and whatever you're doing, really try and live below your means for those first few years outside of college so you can either pay off your debt or you can really start throwing a big amount of savings um, at a young age to get that compound interest like Austin was talking about. All right, so we'll take a short break here. Um, but when we come back, Austin and I will be discussing ways that you can save money when you're in college. We know it may seem uh, kind of impossible to do, but we'll give you some tips along the way. It's 23 minutes past the hour. This is the Weekly Allowance. And we're back on 91.1 KLPR. This is the weekly allowance. Today we're talking about how to save for college and when the right time to save for college is and really the benefits of saving for college. So for this next 15 minutes, we want to talk to you about how to save when you are in college and maybe some tips and tricks that we've found that helps um, making the most out of your dollar when you're at college because like we said, things can get really expensive and obviously there's things that you can't avoid, but there are some things where you can either find a cheaper way to do it or you can just kind of take it out of your budget altogether. So we want to talk you through a few steps here of how to save on college and just some tips and tricks that we have for you. First one I have is really just create a budget and, and stick to it. I think the second part of that is the biggest part of sticking to it. I think it's really easy to create a budget, but the hardest part is sticking to it. Uh, it's, it's all about determination and being determined to stick to that budget and, and live through that budget. So I, try, I do my best to create a budget every, every month. I know in college it's a little bit hard sometimes because you may not have a, a salary coming in that's a set income every month. You may be working a part-time job. I know I've had several part-time jobs throughout my college career where sometimes there was a certain amount of money coming in every week, and then certain times it was kind of different. It kind of fluctuated depending on the time of the year and depending on the job and how many hours I was working. So sometimes it can be a little bit tough with uh, part-time jobs and, and payment there, but just get in the habit of creating a budget. I think that's the biggest thing. So when you do start making that salary, you're actually in the habit of seeing where your money's going. And really with my budget now is seeing where my money's going. It's not necessarily saying I have this amount of money. I can only spend this much. It's more of where is my money going? How much am I spending in these certain categories? My budget's kind of broken up into nine or ten different categories to um, see where my money's going for different things. So there's kind of personal stuff. There's housing. There's food. There's utilities. There's all sorts of stuff that kind of go into mine. But just seeing how much I spend so I can kind of know – 
in the future how much I usually spend on those things. So like groceries, for example, I know how much money I spend on groceries a month, pretty much average um, on average. So when I get out into the real world and I have uh, a salary coming in, then I can kind of know that, hey, this is how much I usually spent in college for groceries and just keep that around in the budget. Um, but just being able to stick to that and, and kind of knowing the amounts that you spend so then you can kind of know how much you need to save uh, once you have that income coming in as well. And I think once you <clears throat> know where it's going, then you can really start to manipulate it if you want to start saving for a goal or something like that. And I think, you know, learning how to save should ideally start before you get to college. But I know for a lot of us, um, personally, I, I didn't know um, how to truly budget while in high school. And it's just not something that I learned. Um, I wish I had learned it earlier than I did. But ideally, um, you know, you're coming into college with this. But if you don't, um, that's totally okay. I know um, I can't speak for Luke, but I know coming into college, I was kind of blind to this stuff, and I really started to to get into it and and, and research it more while in college. So um, if you if you are in college, it's not too late. Um, but if if you do um, if you have learned about this before, then it's really going to help you um, put you in the best position going forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another tip we have, and this kind of relates a lot more to college than for the rest of your life, but <laughs> mine, it says don't buy new textbooks if you don't have to, mm -hmm. and not trying to take a hit on any of the bookstores around <laughs> the state or around the nation, but we all know that textbooks can be really expensive when, when you're going um, and registering for classes, so we, we know that textbooks uh, can also be found on the internet through uh, websites like Chegg and um, mm -hmm. Amazon and different websites like that where you can buy these textbooks for a cheaper price. I know some textbooks are um, paperback and you, it, or it's a professor textbook where there's really no other option, or maybe it's a textbook you're going to use for um, future schooling. I know some people that go into med school may buy books mm -hmm. and they're going to use it in the future, so they end up just buying it outright. Those all make sense, but if, if you don't have to buy a book, then I would recommend not buying it. I think I bought maybe one book in my life just because it was actually cheaper to buy it than it was to rent it, which I don't know how that works. But um, <laughs> So I think I bought one book. Otherwise, most of my books, um, either price matching with the bookstore here at UNK, that's something I like about UNK's bookstore. They actually price match with Amazon as long as it's a first-party seller. So um, as long as you can find something on Amazon that's cheaper, take it to the bookstore, they'll price match. That can save you a few extra bucks, uh, and you can throw that kind of into your savings or throw it at your tuition or whatever um, else you want to. Mm -hmm. But those are that's a really good way to kind of supplement some income um, in a small way each semester uh, so you're not kind of breaking your budget on, on books. Totally agree with that. And there's a, there's a joke that goes around in college that says, you know, the first day when you look at that syllabus and it says, this textbook is required to pass the class, <laughs> And the student sits back and says, well, I'll be the judge of that. Yeah. Um, we don't recommend chancing it that much. Um, but if you can, um, there are ways to get around and, and save a little money on textbooks. And I think you should definitely um, try, to, try to use that as much as you can. Yeah, nothing worse than going into a class and having that, saying that textbook's required and you buy it and you're ready to go. And then you open it up like twice throughout the semester. Yeah. That's definitely happened to me. And it's yep, like, man, I just... I just spent 50, 60, maybe $100 on a textbook that I opened up twice. So it's just like, it's kind of tough, but uh, mm -hmm. that's just something that happens and you roll with it. But if you do know, yeah, if you know someone in maybe the class that took it before you, maybe ask them about the textbook and stuff like that. But I, I know some of these medical books are like $1,000 too. I know personally for me, my finance books, I mean, the most I've ever spent on a book was probably $500. Um, and that's 400 for the book and then $100 for an access code. But yeah, these books can be really, really expensive. And so it's something that we really do need to take a look at. Yeah, for sure. And uh, um, going off that, another thing you're going to buy when you are in college is is a laptop usually. Mm -hmm. And I bought my laptop right out of, right after my graduation party. It was sometime in the summer um, and got a little bit of money from graduation gifts and stuff like that. And that's actually what I did to throw money at buying a laptop. And I bought a MacBook Pro. I think you kind of see it's probably half and half um, of people that buy Macs or PCs. Um, I know Austin has a PC here. Mm -hmm. Expense-wise, kind of depending on the computer you buy, I think my MacBook Pro is probably right around $1,000 coming out of high school. That's a pretty big expense. I, I don't think I would have bought one. I wouldn't have bought um, an expensive MacBook if, if I wouldn't have had that graduation um, income, that graduation money that I received as gifts, I probably wouldn't have bought such an expensive computer. I probably would have started with something smaller um, or something a little bit more affordable. But just make sure when you're buying a laptop that 
Um, it's going to last. It's something that's good and durable, and it's something that you're not going to break the bank on either. Uh, something that's good enough for your studies, but it doesn't need to be something um, extra. Like I could have gotten a, I guess I'm not sure how big the screen is on this Mac, but I know they make bigger ones. They make MacBook Airs. They make kind of ones with all the features and stuff, but I kind of went with a kind of lower line MacBook, and it's worked fine for my four years of college, and I hope it works fine for the next four or five years outside of college as well. Another thing we like to say is stay away from credit cards for the first few years, and even even through college if you can. Um, I got my first credit card when I, uh, it was actually last year when I went outside of the country. I kind of got it for emergencies outside of the country. Um, I got something that I could use internationally just in case something were to happen when I was outside of the country. But my freshman, sophomore year, I didn't get one. I, I thought I probably could have managed one well. I didn't really find the need for one. Um, I was fine using a debit card and using cash and check for things. Um, but I know that credit cards are something that can get people in a lot of trouble if they don't know what they're doing and they don't use them correctly. I know they can be used a lot for like spring break trips or even trips in the mm. summer with your friends or Christmas break trips. I've talked to a lot of people that um, will, will put this trip on a credit card like I just talked to someone the other day and they went on a trip I think for spring break kind of their senior year and to celebrate and they actually put it all on the credit card expecting to pay it off once they got their first job and they're still paying on that credit card to try and pay off that trip that they took their senior year so it's just a thing where um, be smart when you're using them I mean I mean have fun during your college years but don't have too much fun to where you have to finance it in the future and that it's going to be a burden for you uh, four or five years out of college still paying off those trips that you took. Mm -hmm. Yep, and we've talked about using credit cards and how to use them before on the show, so um, you guys are technically equipped with that knowledge, but just a reminder, you know, make sure you're paying that balance off each month, and, and if, it, if you are struggling with it, then I would recommend just cutting it up and, and using a debit card or just going to cash because you don't want to get into a situation where you're getting in over your head with these credit cards. It, it can pile up really quickly and get you into, into some trouble. Yeah, it says a lot about a person. If if you know you can't uh, manage one and maybe you get one and, and you figure out you can't manage it and you end up cutting it up, I think that says a lot about a person rather than saying, I can do this, I can do this, and then continuously mm -hmm. racking up um, debt on that credit card. It really speaks for the determination and, and kind of the, your personality if you can actually take the time, cut it up, and say, you know what, I just can't handle it at this moment. Mm -hmm. um, that says a lot about a person. Another thing we think about in college is eating out. I think we all like going out to eat with our friends and um, having a good time there, getting kind of some different food. Usually in a college town, there's some pretty good food out there. I know in Kearney, we got a lot of good places to eat. Um, so it's fun to go out to eat with friends, and I recommend you do that to, to make some memories and get some good food. But don't do it too much if, mm -hmm. if you have maybe a dining plan, if you have a meal plan at the cafeteria on campus, or even if you're living off campus. I know I, I maybe go out to eat once a week. That's kind of my limit. But um, if you're going out to eat constantly while living off campus, it, it does build up. It, it is a lot more expensive than buying groceries and preparing your own food. I think uh, a lot of people can agree with that. And if you have a, a meal plan, you can really get – you're already paying for the food there, so you might as well take advantage of that too. Um, like I said, feel free to spice things up a little bit and go out to eat and have some fun with friends and get some new food and stuff. Uh, but just limit the amount that you eat uh, out because it can really build up over time. So Luke and I both lived on campus for three years, mm. and this is our first year living off. And I, I really do miss my meal plan, just walking over to the Union or to the cafeteria and just grabbing a plate of food. Um, I probably took that for, for granted when I was there and using it. But, you know, when you are there you know, you're, you're paying for it, so use it, right? Don't go out to eat um, a ton if you do have a meal plan. Um, and, and like I mentioned, Luke and I are, are, are off campus this year, and so it's been the first year that we've kind of had to, to but go out and buy food and, and prepare it. And so um, I recommend, you know, prepare your meals. You know, one, it's easier. Two, it's healthier when you do it when you're cooking at home. Um, but you can also see, you know, okay, I, I bought this, uh, you know, this ground turkey and this broccoli. Um, how much did it cost me? Ten dollars, and it made me five meals. Mm -hmm. Okay, well now break that down into per meal, and it, it's actually pretty small. So um, once you kind of start to do that, it's probably a nerdy thing to do. Um, once you kind of start to do that, then you you kind of kind of have some fun with it. So 
Yeah, I'm definitely a nerd when it comes to buying groceries. I got the High V app and <laughs> um, kind of compare prices with Walmart and kind of around Carney of where I should go to get the the best things. Mm-hmm. I know like right around the Super Bowl time, stores have a lot of good deals. So I did right at the beginning of February, I knocked out a bunch of groceries and I think I ended up saving like 20 bucks on groceries and I was pumped. And yeah, like you said, I try and break it down by meals. So if I make this much ground beef and it can make me this many tacos for this many days, it really is pretty cheap once you start looking at it compared mm-hmm. to spending five, six, seven bucks um, on a meal um, at a, at a fast food restaurant or even more if you go out at a sit down restaurant. So right. another thing we like to say is, is choose housing carefully. So me and me and Austin both lived on campus for three years, really enjoyed living on campus. Um, really enjoyed my experiences with that. Thankfully I was able to, um, have some scholarships to cover some stuff. And, uh, in my time in the SIGAP fraternity, I was present. So I had my, uh, room, uh, waiver there. So I didn't have to pay for that. And so I had some really good benefits living on campus with socially as well as financially. It was good to live on campus for me. And I, I moved off campus this year and it was going to be a little bit more affordable for me. Some of my scholarships kind of dried up and stuff, but, um, it, it, it's definitely kind of something that you weigh. Obviously it is. People know it's a little bit more expensive to live on campus and we're not trying to steer anyone away from that, but just know that it's a good, it's a good thing to do for a year, maybe two and get that experience. But we also want people to be aware of opportunities like being a resident assistant. If, if you mm-hmm. need to, um, cash flow that or getting different scholarships to, to provide for your housing, um, being part of different programs, uh, Thompson Scholars Learning Community, the Honors Program, you can get some really good waivers with those things. Um, but if you are paying in full, sometimes it's just something to look at of whether you want to transfer to that off-campus housing or stay on campus and kind of weighing the cost of both of those and the experience because sometimes the, the extra cost that freshman year of living on campus is worth the experience of meeting new people. Um, I would say it's probably one of the best things in my freshman year is living in a dorm mm-hmm. with all my friends and getting to know everyone and that experience is definitely worth a little bit of the cost. Yeah, I would definitely recommend you living on campus for at least a year and I know, you know, living on campus is expensive, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be. Um, I actually found a way to live on campus for three years and, and not pay for any of it. <laughs> um, came in freshman year with, with some scholarships that covered housing and then sophomore and junior year I was an RA, mm-hmm. which covers your room and board, yeah. um, so which is really nice. It covers your meal plan too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you know, living on campus, it doesn't have to be expensive. There are ways around it. But if it comes to that point where um, you're deciding and you really don't have the opportunity to be an RA or or do some of the things that Luke mentioned, um, living off campus and, and finding some roommates to live with to lower your housing costs um, is, a, is a pretty good viable option, too. For sure. Another thing we uh, talk about is using, uh, forgo using a car if you don't need to. I know a few people that came to college without actually a car. Their parents kind of left them, and, and they find rides around the college campus and around to different places if they need to go get groceries or run somewhere. There's always someone usually willing to give you a lift. I know a lot of even some uh, – when I was on the golf team at UNK, there was a few people from Arizona, a few kids from Arizona that didn't have cars. And so uh, we even had a kid from Canada that was on the golf <laughs> team. So, like, all three of those guys didn't have cars, and they got around just fine. Obviously, a little bit of a different of a situation, but don't feel like if you maybe didn't have a car in high school, don't feel like you need to go out and buy a car for college. I know some colleges, some private colleges, uh, the one my friends went to, the freshmen weren't even allowed to bring their car to college just because like limited parking and it was a small enough campus and stuff. So some people don't even have the opportunity to bring a car to college, but uh, it is something with gas and with parking passes mm-hmm. and uh, just the expense of upkeep of, with a car it can be a little bit expensive to have one if that is something that you can't afford at the time. So think about foregoing one if you if you don't necessarily need it. That's kind of a thing where you can save a few thousand dollars by not buying one if you don't have one. Or you can save money on gas and parking passes if you do have one but just don't feel the need to use it. Yeah, you can save money on gas and get some exercise um, simultaneously. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, that's the best thing about living on a kind of a smaller campus I, there was times where at UNK, obviously kind of a smaller campus, you can really walk anywhere mm-hmm. around the campus where my car wouldn't leave its spot in the parking lot until like the weekend. It would be there all week long unless I ran somewhere quickly, but there's sometimes it would be there four or five days without even leaving its spot because you can walk everywhere. So mm-hmm. going sometimes to a smaller campus where maybe it's not really a commuter campus, but you can walk everywhere is a really good option as well to save some gas and get some exercise too. Mm-hmm. 
another thing, got a few more here. Start paying off your student loans as soon as possible because we know that interest starts to build up on your student loans um, right away. Obviously, when you're in college, you don't have to pay on your student loans. You're still continuing your school. And sometimes outside of, um, after college, they may give you six months to a year to kind of get on your feet before you have to start paying back on your student loans. But we both recommend paying off your student loans as soon as possible. Um, and even during college, if you get some income coming in and you can start paying back on your student loans as you go through school, be doing that if you can. Um, even though you don't have to be doing it, that doesn't mean that you that you can't. It means that um, you can and um, you should be doing it as much as possible. So. And one thing to add to that, um, I would recommend to, in order to do that, you know, work some full-time positions in the summer to save up money for that um, upcoming tuition bill that you have or, or um, you know, those living expenses that you know are coming when you're in college and you maybe can't work a full-time job. And so, and these don't have to be minimum wage jobs either. Um, you can, you, you know, you have some college experience under your belt. So really try to leverage those skills to get you maybe an internship somewhere or something that pays a little bit above minimum wage and to, to start building up that, that savings account or, or if you know you have a big tuition bill coming up to start saving now in the summer while you have the time, maybe even work two or three jobs in the summer um, if you have the time and you have the motivation to do so. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, saving up in the summer, you got those three or four months to where you're really free. Maybe you'll take some summer classes, but if you're not doing anything else, I know this summer I did new student enrollment at UNK, and I also worked at Kearney Country Club. So I had two jobs. One was pretty much a full-time 30, 40 hours a week, and the other one was about 20 to 25. So there was a time in there where I was working about 60 hours a week, uh, which was really nice. Got a lot of income. And if I needed to throw it up books or my tuition or housing costs for this uh, semester, I didn't really have to worry about it too much because I had saved that up in the summer. Mm -hmm. Another one we have is say goodbye to cable. Uh, cable... I know if you live on campus, you kind of get cable with your housing there. But if you're living off campus, me and my roommates, uh, us four, we don't have cable. We have a actually have an old antenna, so we get kind of the basic <laughs> seven, eight channels or something that we have with our antenna, which is kind of nice, get kind of the basic channels. But then we also have Netflix and Hulu. So I think that's kind of the way our, our generation is going a little bit. They're kind of straying away from cable because it can be expensive. I know some of the bills can be right near a hundred dollars uh, if you're if you're purchasing cable so stay away from that it's it's kind of if you split it up between four people it's not a huge expense but it does build up throughout the course of a year uh, living off campus so try to avoid that if you can as well and then the last one we have here is if the if you're looking at taking an expensive spring break trip or an expensive trip in the summer um, or maybe studying abroad or whatever that may be Maybe just think twice about it. If you have the money to cash flow that, definitely do so. Those are some of the best experiences that you're going to have during your college life is going on those trips. But if you have to, like I said before, if you have to, fi if you have to finance that on a credit card, may not be the best option for you as a student. Um, and especially don't take out extra student loans to fund your trips when you go on spring breaks or on summer trips. I've known people that have done that or they just take out a few extra thousand dollars and just add that to the student loans and kind of take their refund checks or whatever and may put it towards their spring break trip. So be sure you're conscious when you're taking those trips and find something that's affordable. I think there's a lot of different options. You can make affordable by maybe driving somewhere um, or going to a nearby place and spending time and making those memories as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a motivating factor of, of why we should be saving in college so that we can do really awesome things like that, like mm -hmm. go on spring break trips, go on summer trips, uh, maybe to Europe. I know, Luke, you went to Rome. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty incredible. And, and I think that's what motivates me. I think that's what motivates a lot of people. So if we look at it that way, you know, we're not just saving money to save money. We're, we're saving money so that we can do some really awesome things like um, be in a good position when we graduate and things like that. And I know it, you may find it pretty difficult um, to find the motivation to save money while you're in college. Um, could, because you can ask yourself, you know, you're only young once and, and you just kind of want to have fun while you're in college. But, um, if you justify it, there's going to be a million other ways to justify your expenses too for yourself. And I, it's, it's really hard to cut back your spending habits. Um, but once you prepare yourself by establishing good habits now in college, you're going to be so much better off when you start your career, when you get out of college. And so I would just encourage you to start now and, um, develop some really good saving habits now. 
yeah, just find out what motivates you, what makes you want to save money, what do you want to do with your future, mm-hmm. what is something, what is one of your dreams or your goals, and really work towards that. Maybe write it on the on a piece of paper and post it up on your wall, mm-hmm. um, put it on your computer, wherever you need to do. Um, write it down somewhere and make sure you're you're going towards that goal as you go throughout your college career and your saving habits. Uh, We'll take a short break here, and when we come back, we will talk about how saving at a young age can benefit you for the rest of your life and why starting to save early is really the best thing to do. It is 49 minutes past the hour. This is the Weekly Allowance. And we're back on the weekly allowance here on 911 KLPR. For the last 15 minutes or so of the show, we want to talk to you about the benefits of saving at a young age, whether that's during college or whether that's directly after college. We want to talk about the benefits and why saving at a young age can really help you secure a really, really good financial future. The first thing we wanted to touch on was compound interest. And I know Austin has kind of spoken about this a little bit at the beginning of the show. Um, but compound interest is really a man's best friend. It's it's kind of like what we want to call free money. Um, obviously, you're putting money into an account, but your money is growing at an interest rate, and it's growing compound interest. And to kind of try and explain compound interest for those of you that don't know what it is, it means that your money, it means that you invest a certain amount of money, and then it grows with interest, and then the interest that is grown added to the money that you initially invested that's what the next uh, amount of interest is going to grow on. So, for example, that may not have made sense, but uh, I will walk you through kind of this investment uh, off of Dave Ramsey's website. It's about how teens can become millionaires. So there's a couple guys. uh, One's name is Ben. One's name is Arthur. And Ben starts investing at the age of 19. And he invests from the age of 19 to 26. So he invests for four years, it looks like, uh, $2,000 a year. So to kind of walk you through compound interest, Ben invests $2,000 at the age of 19, and it's at an interest rate of 12%. So 12% of his $2,000 was $240. So now, after year one, age 19, Ben had uh, $2,240. So his interest rate, um, he's going to invest another $2,000 at the age of 20. So now he has 4240. His interest rate is now going to be on that 4240 instead of his 4000 that he actually has invested. So compound interest just means that the the interest is going to keep growing um, as your interest uh, adds on to your amount invested. So even though he invests, let's see, $16,000 over the course of eight years, with the compound interest growing on that, um, he makes a lot of money over the next 30 some odd years, 40 years almost of his life. Um, Arthur, on the other hand, doesn't start investing until he's 27 years old. When Arthur's 27, he starts to invest $2,000 a year all the way until he's 64 years old. And so money adds up over time, also uh, grows uh, with compound interest, But at the end, it's kind of interesting, Ben, who initially invested $16,000, ends with $2.2 million off his 12% interest rate, and Arthur, who invests $2,000 over the course of 30-some years, uh, ends up with $1.5 million. So because Ben invested early, um, early on, he ends up with more money, almost $700,000 more than Arthur because he invested in those first eight years rather than Arthur who waited until he was 27 to start investing. So a little bit confusing. Maybe Austin can help me out with this uh, scenario a little bit, but <laughs> just interesting that saving at a young age can really help you um, rather than waiting until maybe your late twenties or early thirties to save. Yeah. So I know it's probably hard to just explain this. I know Luke <laughs> and I have a nice illustration in front of us, but I think the story really is tells a strong you know story about compound interest. And if that doesn't get you motivated to get out of debt so you can start saving and investing at a young age, um, I, on- I honestly don't know whatever is going to motivate you. 
um, seeing that if you only invest $16,000 from age 19 to 26 and then you stop investing, you don't invest any more for really the rest of your life until age 65 and you still end up with $2.2 million, I think that is very motivating. And obviously we're making some assumptions here with a 12% interest rate and he's starting pretty pretty early at age 19. I don't know if we would recommend that. Uh, Maybe he went, um, you know, and just kind of started his career right away. And we're also making the assumption that we're only investing $2,000 a year when um, kind of industry standard of um, financial advising is 15% of your income goes towards um, saving for retirement and saving for investing. And so in all reality, if we if we apply this to our lives, that 2000 is going to be um, a lot more. And um, hopefully, you know, if we're, if we're investing in a good um, mutual fund or index fund, um, 12% is a pretty good um, rate of return as well. And so um, theoretically, we should be looking at our retirement accounts and our retirement plans. Um, I know I have started to look at it and we're kind of creating a, a plan in our in our portfolio management class right now. But if we're looking at this and we see theoretically we should end up with more than $2.2 million by the age of 65. And there's really just no reason unless we do have debt that we need to get out of before we start doing this and start applying this plan. But there's no reason that we shouldn't retire millionaires. Um, really anyone. Uh, if we start early at a young age and we keep it consistent and we continue to put money in, um, we see that, that Ben stops his retirement um, at age 27 and still ends up with $2.2 million. I think that's a powerful story and it really motivates me. Yeah, and that's a huge motivation uh, for me as well. I think of, like we said, 19 is a pretty young age to start investing. I'm looking at, I'm 21 right now, going to be 22 once I have start my first job. But I'm looking at 22 is when I'm going to start investing in in my retirement because I see stories like this and you see that you can save for eight years and and $16,000, really not that much money when it comes to the big scheme of things. But obviously don't know what the interest rates are going to be like and what I save on, but even cut that in half to a six or 7% interest rate and and you're still going to be walking away with um, a million dollars. So there's, there's just a lot to be said about um, saving early and how much that can impact you. Uh, so I plan myself to save right once I land that first job. Um, and really right after graduation is kind of my plan as of now. Uh, I'll, I'll be talking to probably Austin for some of his advice because he's taking a little bit more hands-on financial classes. But uh, definitely be talking to people about what how I want to see that. But I'm looking at saving at a young age because I see stories like this and, and the impact they can have on others. So I think it's important, just a, a sidetrack, Luke and I were talking the other night about um, different savings accounts and, and kind of what our plans were. And so what I think we should talk about in, in investing for retirement on another segment, but just a, just a very brief overview. Um, a lot, so we're in college. Um, we obviously have recommended that we don't want you putting money into um, you know retirement accounts just yet. We want you to pile up cash and save that into a nice savings account, maybe a money market. Um, just a very low interest rate that you're going to be earning, but it's it's very risk-free. That's what we like to say in the investment world. But once we graduate college, we theoretically have in our entire lives ahead of us. So we we um, what we say is we have a long investment horizon. So we we would recommend you know going into some some type of riskier um, investment, maybe a small cap index fund of, you know, these growth companies that we're kind of kind of betting on to to see some real growth. Usually you earn about, oh, 12 to 18 percent um, is, is typical for a, um, for a good growth, um, you know, fund or something like that. Um, so theoretically, we, we want to get into more like risky um, stock, stocks and, and, and investment securities when we're young. Um, because we have our entire life to save and we have our entire income ahead of us. And as we get older, we kind of want to alter that. Um, we want to maybe get into more bonds, maybe some 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 safer securities um, because our, our um, we're going to be reti- we're going to be required to to use that money from those income um, from those income securities um, in just a little bit. So um, right after graduation is is really the time to to start it and start off fast. Um, investing and 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 um, starting your your retirement savings. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and another interesting thing that we found online was that 
millennials are actually doing a pretty good job saving right now. And compared to the different generations, you have the baby boomers and um, kind of the older generation, but millennials are actually keeping up with really all the other generations that are um, in our society today. Ramsey Solutions, so Dave Ramsey's uh, business, actually did a study of a thousand U.S. adults in 2016 about saving and, and retirement saving specifically, but really just about when they started saving uh, and how they went about that. And so their uh, study actually found that 58% of millennials are saving for retirement, which which is really good um, and, and really kind of makes me proud of, of my generation because I think we take a lot of heat. I think you hear a lot of people talk poorly about millennials, but that's that really looks good uh, for our generation. 38% of millennials know how much money they will need for retirement. So they actually took a thing called the RIQ. So what is like your retirement IQ? And you can actually figure this out, really, any of our listeners, if you want to figure out how much you will need for retirement based on how much you want saved up, um, how what kind of lifestyle you want to have when you retire, you can actually go to Chris Hogan's website. If you just search Chris Hogan uh, 360, uh, it's actually chrishogan360.com. It'll take you to the RIQ, and you can just enter your email address and get your RIQ right away. It takes probably less than five, ten minutes to get all this information. I've actually done it and really just plug in um, how much you have in retirement right now, which for most of us is probably zero, but um, you plug in how much you have for retirement, how much you plan to save a month, uh, what's your annual, what you plan to uh, your annual income to be over the course and kind of what you expect it to grow at. And then you plug in kind of the lifestyle you want it. So there's like recreational, there's traveling, there's all sorts of stuff that you can click on of what you want to do when you retire. And um, then it kind of plugs in what, how much you're going to need for those lifestyles that you want to live. And then it plugs in your um, annual income and interest rates and all that stuff. And it gives you kind of a number of what you want to save per month and then per year all the way throughout your um, life until you're like 60, 65. Um, I think another thing you plug in is actually what, when you want to retire. So if you want to retire at age like 55, it'll account for that and say, okay, well, you're obviously going to need to save a little bit more per month, per year, if you want to retire five to 10 years early, um, earlier than the expected retirement date is. So those are all things you can plug in. It's actually pretty interesting. It's a little weird to do it as like a 21, 22 year old, but it is kind of a good step to say, okay, um, so if I start saving now, since I'm younger, it's really going to help out with the compound interest uh, and going along with those things. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we obviously know we need to take into account like taxes and inflation and all of this. And um, that's that's what we're incorporating in the spreadsheet that we're building right now. So we're actually doing the same thing that um, is on this website. So I'd be interested to uh, to take a look at that. But that's right. Um, taking a look at this now, I think is going to put us in the best position. So when we do get out of college, um, we kind of know what we need to save and 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 we we're starting to set those goals of what we want to do in our lives and and saving and and you know cash flow saving in college and cash flowing it is going to put us in a really great position to be able to um, maybe go on some of those really cool trips to be able to give um, when we're when we're older and be outrageously generous and so that's kind of my motivation behind behind this and um, you know it's 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 really awesome to see this amount of millennials, you know, looking into being aware of this um, and actually starting to save. It makes me proud of our generation. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about inflation, too. And it's not just with retirement, but when it comes to saving money in general, how far is this money going to take me in, say, 30, 40 years? How much um, more is the dollar going to be worth or how much um, more am I going to need as the years go on and as inflation increases? I think of probably back in the mid-1900s, saving four or $500,000 probably went a really long way. In our society today, that may not go. That may not fund you for, for your full retirement, depending on how um, long you're planning to be in retirement. So those are all things to kind of look at. I think inflation is a really good thing to think of when you think about saving um, for all those things. Right. And and we need to look at, too, you know, our, our – um, Inflation rate that we're using in our spreadsheets right now is about 3%. That's about average per year. And so we need to look at, you know, maybe you can invest in these safe securities, maybe a money market, um, but we need to look at is that outpacing inflation? And when you look at it over a long term, that's when it's really important, um, you know, a 30, 40 year time span. If you're only earning 1.25% on your money market, um, 
you know, you're kind of losing that, you know, 1.75% to your to your inflation rate. So it's just something you need to take into account and hopefully out earn that inflation and, and then obviously taxes as well. Right, right. All good points. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, we took you through uh, some things today about how to save for college, uh, when when's the right time to save, whether it's in college or outside of college, and, and how these things can benefit you. And we really talked and tried to hit on, if you, there's one thing you take away from the show today, it's it's starting to save at a young age with compound interest and with um, having kind of more, maybe less expenses at a young age than, than buying a house and starting a family and all those things. Really take advantage of those first few years outside of college and really try and save that amount while you're in college. So once you're out of college, you can either pay back on your debts or you can start throwing your savings right into those investments, invest, investment accounts. So those are all things that we hit on today, um, and we hope that you found some benefit towards it. And I think you know doing the things that we talked about will really help you live a stress-free life in college, and and that is you know not having to worry about money. You can focus more on your studies and things like that. And you know I'm a big advocate of working while in college. I would recommend it 100. percent um, But having that financial background does kind of allow you to maybe step away from from work for a little while while you're um, getting really involved in extracurriculars or taking on a really tough semester. I know, Luke, for you, you're, you're student teaching, so it, you know you can't have an income right now. So um, saving before you go into that just allows you to, to be flexible and, and stress-free in college, and I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely look ahead. That's another thing we talked about was look ahead to the future. I knew I've known for two years now that I would be student teaching in the spring of 2018. And so that's why this summer I worked two jobs pretty much all summer, working 60 hours throughout the summer. I really tried to get as much money as I could during those three or four months because I knew once uh, the spring came, I really didn't want to have a job. If I really needed to have one, maybe I could have one. But I was like, it's really not going to be nice. It's going to be stressful. Like Austin says, it's going to be stressful for me to have a job. So that's why I worked so hard in the summer so I could save up and pay for my cost of living, my utilities, my groceries, and all that stuff. Um, So that way I didn't have to have that stress of having a job um, during my student teaching. So, well, that does it for this episode of the weekly allowance. I hope we hope you got something um, out of saving at a young age and we hope that our discussion benefited you a little bit. In the meantime, whether you are young or old, don't put your future on hold. (laughs) 